the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. with you on a wednesday it is hump day middle of the weekday over the hill day may the fourth be with you all right just thank do you know who came up with that that was a parliamentarian in the uk who said that um to parliament one day 20 years ago may the fourth be with you and it it's stuck so uh, that's just the way it is got a full show for you today uh, taking a look here to let you know that uh, we got the former ambassador to the Vatican on with us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to them about uh, a lot of world problems uh, since we'll be talking uh, with the man who is the ambassador to the Holy See. We'll talk to him about uh, abortion, of course, uh, and the Roman Catholics and uh, what has happened here in the United States. We'll also talk about Ukraine. That'll be a, a topic of uh, interest as as well. Those two topics probably will just about cover it all for us uh, here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show there in the that, that half hour. Uh, we'll hear from Congressman French Hill at 7.05, uh, District 2 Congressman. He'll join with us. We'll talk to him about uh, this uh, leak from the Supreme Court and how that needs to be dealt with. Uh, we'll also be talking about, uh, um, well, we're going to have Westerman on, but he's decided he's traveling today, and it would have been a really close window to get him on. I decided that we would wait until next week. That way, if he was a little, if it was a little slow disembarking or whatever, he wasn't uh, going to be rushed so we'll talk to uh, uh congressman bruce westerman next week and then at uh, <clears throat> excuse me nine o'clock uh, we're going to be joined by alan parker and uh, we're going to talk to him about what all went down here the last two days you know i it amazes me how the left just went bonkers yesterday they 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 were it just blew me away when they said, and I feel which uh, senator said it, but made the statement that um, now that they look like they were going to be able to make abortion illegal, let's stop right there because that is a false statement. Okay, it's a false statement. It doesn't make abortion illegal. What it does is it will, if if they over 
overturn Roe v. Wade and uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, Casey, what will happen is that it'll go back to the states. And uh, people from each individual state will have the opportunity to make up their mind how the law should be in their state. So that's what's going to happen. At the time of Roe v. Wade in 73, 30 states, uh, if I'm correct now, I get this backwards sometimes, 30 states allowed abortion, 20 said you could not. Now, it might be just the opposite. I'll look it up again because I have a hard time remembering which was 30 and which was 20. But it was pretty evenly split here in the United States about where you could have an abortion and where you couldn't. Uh, It's going to go back to that. And uh, I find it interesting. It's as if uh, states shouldn't have any say in all of this. And uh, the the Constitution is pretty clear about, uh, not pretty, it is clear about that states should have uh, the say in all of this. And uh, we've had the the uh, the feds get involved several times uh, in making the decisions for the states. I mean, gay marriage is probably uh, the last real big issue uh, in that uh, particular in the social uh, wars. But um, it will be interesting to see. Just know that that's a lie. That's the first thing I want to get, that they're going to make abortion illegal. Not true. That is not true. It just sends it back to the way it used to be uh, <clears throat> from that uh, piece that Alito had had written. Uh, he said it's time to send it back to the people to let them decide in their individual states. That's where we're going, it looks like. Uh, the other, Another thing that was said yesterday, and this is the one that just is beyond the pale, that they will make... Uh, marriages between white folks and black folks illegal. Where does that come from? You know, I mean, that goes back all the way to love back in the uh, the, the late 50s. That's not going to happen. Uh, that is not going to happen. You don't have to worry about that. And, uh, you know, the, the left has just been going bonkers. Let's pack the court, you know. We're, getting, we're hearing that all again. Um, that because this, this law had stood for 50 years, somehow they couldn't have ever gotten it wrong. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. I mean, uh, look, we talked yesterday about one of the biggest uh, pieces of legislation that <clears throat> the, uh, the folks in the Supreme Court got wrong, and that was... Uh, the decision that a black man wasn't a human, that he was just property. And then the Plessy case came up, and they 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 overturned that. Should they have not overturned it? Of course not. It was, it was right to overturn it. It has been overturned since that point, and that's the way it, it, it should stay. So you're going to hear a lot of stuff, a lot of hyperbole, uh, we need to, you know, codify it. President kind of said that yesterday. I don't believe they can get a piece of legislation passed to codify uh, Roe v. Wade uh, by uh, 
June. Don't think that's going to happen because that you know the the complete uh, decision will come out sometime middle of June, very beginning of July. That's when typically those decisions come out. So uh, it comes out. It it will you know there's going to be a lot of a lot of problems. Uh, uh, Robert and I talked about that yesterday and uh, how they they're going to have to find some kind of judicial basis uh, to try to over. You know, turn Roe v. Wade back into law uh, across the United States. So um, there's a lot of things that are being said that just aren't true, and uh, keep that in mind. All right, let's move on just a little bit. Six fourteen. Uh, J.D. Vance won the uh, primary, uh, Republican primary, to be the uh, banner carrier in in Ohio which was uh, President Trump's uh, candidate that he wanted to see get the uh, the win, and he did. Uh, Vance is a venture capitalist, best-selling author, who less than three weeks ago uh, got um, President Trump to endorse him in uh, this crowded, combustible, and expensive Republican Senate primary. The next one that's like this is going to be Pennsylvania, and uh, he won the party's nomination. The Associated Press projected Vance's victory a little more than two hours after the polls closed at uh, 7.30. Uh, and the neighboring Midwestern state of Indiana held both primary elections on Tuesday, kicking off a uh, frenetic schedule this month with a total of 13 states holding primaries. Of course, ours coming up on the 24th. Um, since this is an off year, not a presidential uh, primary year, uh, we go on the 24th. We go earlier uh, when there's a presidential uh, primary because we want to be uh, early on and have some something to say in who gets the, uh, uh, the nod from the Republican Party uh, nationally. Vance's win is also seen as a victory for the former president. Trump's position as the Republican Party's most popular and influential politician was on the line, even though the former president wasn't on the ballot. In his victory speech at his primary night headquarters in Cincy, uh, Vance gave a major nod to Trump, saying, quote, I have absolutely got to thank the 45th president of the United States. Vance is going to face off in November against longtime Democratic Uh, Congressman Jim Ryan, or Tim Ryan, pardon me, Republican Governor Mike DeWine won renomination over multiple primary challengers from the right. But the GOP primary is a showdown to succeed retirement Republican Senator Rob Portman and was the contest that grabbed all the national attention. So now you're up to date on what happened in Ohio and you stand around the uh, the uh, water cooler. You can say, "Well, you know, Trump still got some swag. He can still he can still swing a big stick." And Vance, his uh, his candidate, won out in the end. All right, let's get our first break in. Then we'll come back. We'll talk. We got more to talk about. Dave Chappelle was attacked last night on stage uh, in California. We'll talk about that. Um, evidently, uh, um, word that is getting out is that a trans individual attacked him on stage last night during a performance 
East End Towing wants you to know they're ready to help you out if you have any problems. Uh, they'll take care of your road safety and things of that nature. They want you to take care of their people, too. They want you, if you see yellow flashing lights, move to the furthest lane so that you give those guys plenty of room to do their job so they can take care of uh, doing it safely. And remember that when it comes to the situation, it doesn't matter. East End Towing knows what to do in all kinds of situations, and they will take care of you. All you have to do is call them at um, 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. All right, so this uh, leak that we had in the Supreme Court dealing with this uh, piece of work that Alito had done, which is not the final say by the Supreme Court, that had come in June or July, early July, uh, has got all the people that are into politics heavily all jazzed up. And one of the things that uh, they did on Fox was they started looking at 2024 presidential uh, Republicans that would be running for you know, the the ability to be the standard bearer for the party. So they asked each of them what they thought of all of of this, and let me just run down the list of who they have here. First of all, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas said that the leak will lead to an utter tsunami of GOP wins in the upcoming uh, November midterms. He said, quote, I believe if anything, this will increase the Republican victories in November. I believe Republicans were going to win both the House and the Senate with historic majorities. That's according to uh, Cruz. By any measure, the uh, Joe Biden left wing agenda has been a disaster. It's been a disaster for people across Texas and across the country. Skyrocketing inflation. We've got five, six, seven dollar a gallon gas, depending on where you live. We have a crime wave that's out of control. We have chaos at our southern border. People are angry. They're frustrated. I believe this election in November is going to be historic. It's not just going to be a wave. It's going to be a complete and utter tsunami. Now, that's what Cruz had to say. This might interest you that who they name number two. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas views the Supreme Court's anticipated decision as a rallying point for conservative pro-life voters. And uh, the senator said, for decades, pro-life Americans have worked to end one of the darkest chapters in American history, Roe v. Wade. If it's in fact overturned, that incredible victory will galvanize pro-life and conservative voters around the nation. However, some lawmakers are less convinced the Supreme Court's draft decision is as good for Republicans heading into the midterms and see it as an opportunity for Democrats to rally their own base. Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, I've never heard of Blackburn being considered a presidential contender, but she could be. I mean, we've had her on this show. She's very well spoken. She's a she's more than you know. She, her thoughts are more than a puddle. All right, they get. Uh, she's pretty deep thinker. So maybe she's thinking about running. I had not heard anything to that 
to that way, but uh, that's not to say that it won't happen. Uh, Blackburn said in an interview that she thinks Democrats' knee-jerk reaction to politicize the issue of the leaked draft ahead of the midterms is an effort to energize their base. Quote, I found it very interesting that a knee-jerk reaction of Democrats was to immediately politicize this and to try to use this to push people to go vote because they did not like what they anticipate will be an action of the court. This is really just unprecedented. Blackburn said that uh, noted that Democrats use their cheerleaders in the media to force a change in policy without going through the appropriate channels. Typically, what the Democrats do is overreach, and they did that immediately when it came to the leaked opinion. And bear in mind, this is not a final opinion. This is a work in progress. And what they did was to tip their hand to show that they intend to politicize the issue. And it is, in a way, uh, that they're intending to energize their base. Blackburn also said that Republicans going into the midterms must make certain that voters realize that the anticipated Supreme Court decision does not ban abortion. That's really important. There's two different narratives going on. I spoke to this right at the beginning of the show. Democrats are saying it will ban abortion. Not true. It will ban abortion in certain states. This will put it back in the hands of the state and the different states, and they'll make uh, decisions based on their populace about what they want to do with abortion. Uh, Don't expect it to be illegal in California. Not only will it be legal, but infanticide is looking like it's going to end up on uh, the ballot, perhaps. It's the same in Maryland. Uh, upper eastern states look like they're leaning towards more lenient abortion rights if uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, while the whole West Coast looks like they'll be going uh, more lenient on abortion as well. So nothing is really going to change other than the Supreme Court that took it upon themselves in 73 to make it a national make a national decision, that will be overturned. What we we need to do, said Blackburn, is to make certain that people realize this doesn't ban abortion ahead of November. What this would do is to send the issue of abortion back to the various states. It would allow the states to weigh in on what they want the abortion restrictions to be in their state. And that's an appropriate discussion to have. But I think when people realize it's not a ban on abortion, that it's simply giving the state the authority that is theirs to decide how they want to address the issue of abortion in their states with their citizens. This is giving power back to the people with a capital P. This is where the power should rest, she said. Former President Trump told Fox News that he does not think the court's ultimate decision is going to have a tremendous effect on November's midterm election, saying... I don't think it is going to have a tremendous effect at all. Uh, I will say I have seen more passion on the right, at least up until this point. I can't say what is going to happen now. He did add, there is passion both ways. It's too early to tell. 
Trump, during his presidency, appointed three conservative associate justices to the Supreme Court. We've talked about that. Of course, uh, we're talking associate justice, justice of the Supreme Court, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and uh, uh, Coney Barrett. Former ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley told Fox News that Republicans will have to work twice as hard in the midterms to protect the right to life through elected representatives. So keep that in mind uh, also. So that's what Nikki Haley is saying at this time. All right, we got uh, news coming up. We got to get to that and find out what the news has to say to us. Then coming back, we're going to talk to former uh, ambassador uh, to the Holy See uh, is going to be on with us, and we'll talk with him about what the reaction was uh, at the Vatican about this leaked document. That's coming up. All right, back with you. Let's continue with the show. We have a special guest with us. Uh, in just a moment, we'll talk to the former ambassador to the Holy See or to the Vatican, and that's going to be Francis Rooney, so he'll be with us in just a moment. I need to remind you about Pat Davis and what he's doing for you as far as health uh, insurance coverage. He'll tell you right now that if you'll call him today, he'll reduce your health coverage by 30 to 50%. He'll get rid of your co-pays. He's going to reduce your deductibles. I mean, there's some of you that have deductibles that are out of sight. I mean, you, you, the insurance company doesn't have, have to even worry about they're paying anything because your deductible is so high unless you have some kind of catastrophic uh, condition, cancer, you know, major heart surgery, something like that. So Pat wants you to give him a call at 501-605-6935, especially if you are uh, self-employed. He can really help you if you're self-employed. And it doesn't matter who your provider is. He can work with any provider here in the United States. So give him a call, 501-605-6935. Get rid of your copays, reduce the deductibles, and save 30 to 50% on your health insurance. Visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. Again, that's yourhealthplanman.com. Dave Ellswick Show, uh, we're at about 636, 24 minutes and until 7 o'clock. And uh, off we go to join up on phone with former ambassador to the Holy See. Uh, that is Francis Rooney. And uh, Mr. Ambassador, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Can you, can you start off by with everything that has happened here in the last couple of days with these leaks about uh, what Alito is going to say about Roe v. Wade and, and Casey and whatnot? How's the, how do you think the reaction is going uh, within the Catholic Church? Uh, I haven't seen anything written about it. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the Catholic Church is pretty much pro-monolithically uh, aligned against abortion. There's a few outliers out there, but not very many. So by and large, this would be very well received if it actually comes to pass. Yeah, d- does it surprise you how the left... And I'm talking about elected senators and congresswomen and men as well, how they've reacted to this. I mean, I understand being upset. Okay, I can understand that this is this is their holy grail, so to speak, uh, for the left. 
But they reacted yesterday by saying, you know, this is how the Republicans are going to make it so that uh, interracial marriage is made uh, illegal again and, and things of that nature. I mean, these are beyond the pale type of statements. Yeah, and some of the paper today, they're they're making noise that it, it will bleed over into denying uh, birth control to, to people under the ACA. Well, that's not part of this. That's just disinformation. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of it. So I guess Mayorkas and his his new uh, uh, leader of the, um, you know, misinformation coalition should have something to say about all this, wouldn't you think? Well, they should, but you know they won't, because the only disinformation they're interested in is stuff that would be said about the elections or uh, other kinds of things that are coming from conservative side. They're not going to they didn't criticize Hunter Biden a bit. Yeah, well, I agree with that. I I got to tell you, I'm not surprised that Alito wrote what he wrote. He's been very outspoken about how he feels that. That was a bad piece of legislation, Roe Ro v. Wade, or court decision, and it needed to go back to the states and let states make up their own minds about this. I mean, that's the other big lie that's coming from the left, that this will make abortion completely illegal. That is far from the truth. No, it just returns this this authority to the states. And as one of the comments was made yesterday, the Constitution doesn't say anything about this. And normally things that aren't said about in the Constitution are reserved to the states. Wow, the Tenth Amendment. Can you imagine that somebody actually still believes that? <laughs> Not enough, unfortunately. Yeah, you're exactly right. So you, you're involved with politics um, all the time. How does this play out the rest of the way in the uh, primaries for Republicans? And then how do you see it playing out in the general come uh, November 24th? Well, it's definitely going to uh, be a hot issue on both sides that will drive turnout. And I don't know if that's going to help or hurt Republicans versus Democrats. Uh, There'll be more turnout on both sides of this issue because of this. It'll be like... uh, you know, like you say, it's the penultimate issue for these for the liberals. And uh, um, will we benefit or will they? It's hard to say. Do you agree with me that for the left, this is really the holy grail? I mean, they call it reproductive health. I call it uh, killing. Well, it is the holy grail for them. I mean, the, the Democrats are based their power and, and legitimacy on the teachers unions that don't care about students, this gender equity business, which continues to undermine what people are or may be, uh, and, uh, um, and, and abortion. Those are abortion, birth control, et cetera. But that's the stuff that they're, they build their, their whole power structure around. Yeah, I, I, gotta, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So let me ask about yesterday. Uh, in Ohio, we had the uh, primary there. Vance won. That's the person that former President Trump uh, supported. Uh, you're close to the former president. How how does he feel about what happened in Ohio, and what does it say about the former president and the Republican Party? 
Well, it continues to reflect how strong the uh, base of the Republican Party is aligned with Trump and the, the, the ideology that, that Vance uh, put out, which was basically Trump's ideology. But so did Mandel. Either way, there was going to be someone who uh, is aligned with the ideology of the Trump base, either way. So it's not a huge news that, that Vance won. But Vance did win because of Trump's endorsement. So that, that obviously strengthens Trump. Do you, do you believe that uh, the whole uh, philosophy of America first has gained more power over the last couple of years as we've watched uh, this president, President Biden, flounder in his first uh, year and odd months well it certainly they began you know with with president trump uh calling into question some of the moves that we've made with people like iran and china and russia or more not so much russia but iran and china and and putting the tariffs on and just like right now there's this huge debate in the biden administration under whether to keep the tariffs against china in place and suffer slightly higher prices, or the financial people want to take them off and lower the prices. They're, they're desperate to be able to say they did something about inflation, but they cost it themselves by spending all this money. And now they're going to uh, make a bad move and, and show China that we have no resolve by uh, if they cut the tariffs. Well, they're doing that, and then they're turning around and working hard on reinstating that deal with the Iranians. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. And, and, and there, there's no way to have a deal with the Iranians. I was involved in this quite a bit. That uh, is, 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 is defensible unless you can get on those military bases and police what they're doing there. That's the gaping loophole of the JPCOA. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. They're not going to let us in. They're not going to let no. us do close-up inspections. They haven't yet, and they've already got their money. Yeah. Yeah, they got they kind of got us in a corner as far as that. Does it bother you? I know this is a rhetorical question because I know it does. That the the Soviets are the ones that are going to bat for us, so to speak, about this Iranian deal. Well, it's an odd alignment, you know, uh, and I'm not sure how much they're really going to bat for us under the table. I don't trust them at all. The the axis that's evolving of Russia, Iran, South Korea, and China is kind of reminiscent of the old Cold War axis of China and Russia back then. Yeah, I agree. In fact, China and Russia are closer now than maybe they have been in the last 40, 50 years. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. We're talking with foreign, the uh, former ambassador to the Holy See or to the Vatican, uh, Francis Rooney. I want to talk to him a little bit about Ukraine when we get back and see what his thoughts are on that particular issue as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, about a quarter till seven right now here at uh, the studios at 101.1 FM, The uh, Answer. want to remind you about David Lucas Financial. Uh, they're out to help you learn everything you need to know about buying silver and gold. You're hearing a lot of people talk about, you know, Buy silver and gold, kind of be a, your hedge against inflation. Uh, can it really be very big of a hedge for inflation? Uh, you can find out by talking with David Lucas and his uh, uh, financiers over at David Lucas Financial. All you have to do is call them, 501-222-3315, and find out how gold could help you protect your other assets like your IRA, your 401k, your hard-earned savings that you've put up. 
To learn more about buying silver and gold, call 501-222-3315. Again, 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, we're down to just about eight minutes remaining with our interview with the uh, former ambassador to the Holy See, and that's Francis Rooney. It's uh, We appreciate you uh, offering us the time, uh, Mr. Rooney, or Ambassador. Let, let's talk about international politics just for a moment, and uh, let's talk about the Ukraine. What do we do about Putin? Putin holds that big you know, ace Trump card. He's got nuclear weapons and uh, says that he's not afraid to use them. Nobody seems that they want to call his bluff. Uh, is this a, a war that looks like it's going to stretch on, you know, for years and years? Or will this be taken care of, do you believe, in a, in a short period of time? I've seen things uh, said and written on both sides of that. Uh, if if, if West, the West continues to supply the Ukraine enough armaments and they don't run out of people, then they can, this thing could drag out for a while. I think Russian strategy is kill, kill, kill everybody in the country. Seems that way. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what they're doing to those poor cities there on the eastern border, they are totally leveling, though. I don't know what use they're going to be to the Soviet Union if they level those cities completely and all of their economic power is gone. I don't think Putin really cares about that. I think Putin would just assume wipe all the property. Hmm. He wants the access to the sea and to own the Ukraine territory. Well, it's always been a, a bone of contention. It was during World War II. Uh, if if the Nazis weren't killing the Ukrainians, the Russians were. Yeah, that's why they have such pessimism about their future and, and many of their things like their national anthem, you know, that says we haven't been conquered yet. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to continue fighting until the very end. I think that that is their their yeah. uh, motto that they, they live by. All right, so if we keep responding this way to the Ukraine, what do you think about China and Taiwan? Does uh, China get uh, a little bit testy and decide that they want Taiwan back since, you know, Chiang Kai-shek you know, moved over there uh, during the Mao uh, revolution? Well, we know that they want it back. They just haven't been willing to pay the price it would take to do it. They, they already have virtual economic control over it because so much interchange between Chinese companies and Taiwan companies. But to actually go take it geopolitically would certainly get into it with a lot of the other near Asian countries, and especially Japan. And they haven't, or, and South Korea. So they haven't shown an interest yet in doing that. This this Russian thing should show them that the world is a lot more united against aggressors than they might have thought. Now, just I'm going to put you as the ambassador to China right now. What do you say to them after your administration that you would be working for had that debacle in Afghanistan, and uh, we're slow in moving your feet? on the Ukraine. How do you tell them that you'll not let them take Taiwan? Um, I think we beef up our Navy. Of course, we have some serious problems. Here we have an $800 billion defense budget. We can't afford to build one more ship out of that. 
I mean, China spends $260 billion or something, and they're building a bunch of ships. Yeah. So it's hard to sit there with a straight face and say, oh, we're going to police the South China Sea against you. I mean, we can still say that now, but long run, I don't know that we will be able to. But that would be one of the arguments we would say. Hmm. It's, it's interesting because, you know, diplomas, uh, diplomacy, as you know, sometimes depends on how good your poker face is. Is that not true? Sure, sure. Ours isn't so great. I mean, here we have right now the administration, half the administration saying take the tariffs off of China because uh, um, it's raising prices in the United States, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is, is, is agreeing with that. On the other hand, the trade people say keep the tariffs on so we can reorient China's behavior, which is what I'm for. Yeah, I'm, I'm for that as well. I'm also for bringing back as many of these companies that are in China and make their production facilities here in the United States again. Or if not in the United States, somewhere nearby with cheap, maybe cheaper labor, but less threatening to us, like in the Western Hemisphere, like in Mexico, Chile, uh, places like that. And certainly, you know, Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam have proved to be pretty reliable uh, allies of ours. I mean, Vietnam's fought two wars with China since we left. They don't really like the Chinese that much. No, you're right, exactly. Uh, last question for you. If we would build those production facilities, let's say down in Chile, and uh, you're talking about in Mexico, Guatemala, I don't know if we go to Guatemala now that the former president has been shown to be running drugs into the United States, but, uh, you know, does that take care of, to some extent, the large influx of illegals coming from Central America? Well, it could. You know, they, they make a lot of jeans and soft goods down in those uh, northern tier countries as well as Belize and to, that's another tier country too. And, and they, they seem to be able to do that. And the more jobs that they can have there, the less need for, the, for them to immigrate. Uh, I think Mexico and uh, Chile have, and Colombia and maybe and Peru, unless this guy really screws it up, Castillo, has a lot of promise for us in more value-added manufacturing. You know, Intel's got a huge plant in San Jose, Costa Rica, and IBM has had huge plants in Guadalajara, Mexico, for years assembling laptops. So there's things that we can do to beef up uh, our own uh, supply chains in the West. You know, the, the Macchiadora plants all along the coast supply the U.S. US industry. Does that mean that the, the CCP will have to move sooner than later if they want to, you know, continue with their form of power they have in China? Well, I guess that's a possibility, but I don't think that we can delay reorienting our supply chains uh, to correct for the, the weaknesses of globalization and the exploitations that we've suffered by globalization to uh, um to worry about what they may do with. Well, we're just out of time here with uh, the former ambassador, Francis Rooney. He was the uh, ambassador to uh, the Holy See, to, to the, uh, for, of course, the Vatican. Just off as a last question, give you a few seconds to talk about this. A lot of people saying, why we got an ambassador to the Holy See? Why don't you address that? Well, the reason we have an ambassador there has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with the role that the Pope and the, the Holy See uh, diplomatic corps can play in the world to advance interests which are aligned with ours. 
And that's been a pretty productive relationship over the years. You know, the, the John Paul was usually helpful in helping bring down the Berlin Wall with Reagan and uh, George H.W. Bush. Uh, when I was serving, Pope Benedict was very helpful dealing with Iran and their hostility, as well as dealing with some of these corrupt countries down in Africa that he could call them out and have more credibility than we have when we call it out. Interesting. Very interesting, because they do. They have a lot of influence in those countries that you're talking about. The Catholic Church still very influential in those countries. We appreciate your time. Thank you, former ambassador. And uh, we hope to have you on in the near future again. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a nice day. Talk to you later. All right, Francis uh, Rooney, uh, former ambassador to the Holy See, and some of his thoughts on issues facing uh, our country at this time when we come back uh, congressman french hill will talk to us for about a half an hour then we'll talk about uh, different issues that are going on in the country at nine o'clock when we come back we'll uh, revisit that whole topic about abortion and what happened in the supreme court over the last few days that's all in front of you here on the dave ellswick show get back to uh, the show on a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day, Old Hill Day, the fourth be with you day. And uh, we welcome you to the Dave Ellswick Show. Our thanks to the former ambassador to the Holy See, uh, Mr. Rooney, for joining us in the last half hour as we talked about, you know, why we have an ambassador to the Holy See, to the Vatican. And I thought an interesting uh uh, explanation from him was it had nothing to do with religion at all basically had everything to do with that the pope and the uh, catholic church uh in certain areas of the uh, of the world uh have uh, more credibility than what the united states has 
and I can understand that. So uh, it was interesting to hear what he had to say about the whole thing dealing with uh, Roe v. Wade and Ukraine and Taiwan and all the other issues that we we talked with him about. Now we're going to turn and talk about some of those same issues again, except that we're going to talk with uh, Congressman French Hill, who joins us today. Congressman, let's start off with the, the number one subject everybody's talking about right now, and that is this leaked opinion that came out uh, the other day uh, from Justice Alito and has uh, uh, set the left on fire. Your thoughts about that? Well, good morning, Dave. Good to be with you. I think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, how appalling it is that uh, the independence of our judiciary has been compromised by, apparently, just a uh, dedicated left-wing staffer at the Supreme Court. I think that's a real problem. I was glad to see the Chief Justice say that he was going to have the marshals thoroughly investigate it. And I think that's important to note because um, Democrats during the Trump years were always complaining and demonstrating their hypocrisy about, oh, President Trump doesn't respect the independence of the Fed or whatever. I didn't hear any Democrat yesterday talking about protecting the independence of the deliberative process in the uh, independent co-equal branch of government, the judiciary. So I think that's a key point. Yeah, I mean, seriously, people have to understand there has never been a leak like this from the Supreme Court ever. And it does bring into question uh, the independence of the court because that's why they don't want people to be able to read these uh, opinions before they're final because you want the justice to feel free to share their legal thoughts about whatever issue it is that's before the court. Exactly. I mean, they go into conference on these confidential case matters after they've had a hearing and go into deliberations that sometimes take weeks or months. And that work product uh, is uh, private for particular purposes because the justices have actually not come to their final conclusion they're listening to the best arguments of their colleagues uh, before they reach that conclusion and so that really is disruptive and really damages i think the reputation of the court which is why the chief justice is so concerned does it does it bother you that the uh, the left especially some elected members of the left like elizabeth warren makes a, a blanket statement like that uh, the Supreme Court doesn't have the right to overturn that particular decision when, in fact, it's overturned, you know, even bigger decisions before in its past. Yeah, I mean, that's, of course, ridiculous. I mean, uh, I guess she upset they overturned the Dred Scott decision. I mean, come on, that's the most nonsensical thing to say for someone who, by the way, was a professor at Harvard Law School. I mean, she just came across looking like uh, uh, somebody that is frequently unhinged uh, in the political debate, which is why a lot of people in America don't even listen to what Elizabeth Warren has to say. Um, yeah, I thought it was wrong that she did that. I think, again, it, it, it cheapens the process of the, of the judiciary branch of government. 
that is the co-equal uh, branch of government. And so, of course, they have the right to express their opinion. So this is all a bunch of uh, hysteria. The fact that this case went to the court has been long known. The fact that uh, conservatives support the pro-life cause and want to protect life starting with conception and want to leave this important decision to the closest to the people in our state legislatures uh, for debate is well known and been going on uh, for decades. And the fact that now most on the Democratic side of the aisle, most on the left are um, supporters not only of abortion rights, but of actually killing children born alive from a botched abortion, which shows you just how far we've come from Joe Biden's, even his own old position, which was that abortion should be rare and limited in every scope and that we should embrace, obviously, vigorously embrace adoptions and, and education of people to avoid it. So, look, uh, the parties are well known here, and that's why I don't see how this is some big uh, emotional change in voter turnout because this the fact this case was going and how it might well go has been well discussed for months and months and months. Yeah, it's not like um, the American landscape is going to change that uh, all that much. I mean, California has buttressed up their uh, belief in abortion. They're, as you said, they're going to move into infanticide in that they're saying that a a child that is a week old could perhaps be be killed uh in maryland it goes up to a year those are still have to be uh voted and codified into law but there nobody would even talk about those kinds of things back in 73 those those were completely unheard of arguments at that time exactly exactly and that's why to me, the more disturbing thing about the news was uh, the left so unhinged they're willing to uh, uh, violate the confidence process, procedure, and sanctity of the independent decision-making process at the court. That's the, that's the news this week. Not that the court's actually deliberating this issue that's been deliberated by the American people for decades. And where, look, American voters, independent, Democrat, Republican, they reject uh, abortion at will. They understand the willingness to uh, have limitations on abortion, and particularly young people. When I talk to young people, they've really, uh, over the decades, changed their mind on this, and they know the preciousness of life. And so, yes, we should encourage adoption and and birth. But these statistics have changed. The Democrats are... Uh, acting just unhinged about this how how about all of this other stuff i mean they're they're lying to the american people when they say this will make abortion illegal all it does is send us back to where we were in 73 where states make up their own minds about it right and and I, i could be wrong on this save you can check it but i think in 73 at the time of the decision i mean there were some 30 states at that time that had some level of limitation uh you know on abortion for health safety uh, and uh moral reasons and so even then it was uh, debated and well considered and and that's why i don't think it was constitutional when this was decided. I think that's really one of the origins of why even Ruth Bader Ginsburg 
uh, suggested that the Roe case was not well considered or decided by the court. Yeah, and I agree. I agree that, that you won't hear that very often with that her name and my name put together that I agreed with her. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move on. There's other things going on. Yep. Uh, yesterday in Ohio, they had their primary. Vance came from behind to win the Republican nomination to run for Senate, taking uh, uh, Portman's uh, place. So what's your thoughts on that? Does, does this bode well for the former president? I think so. I think it bodes well for uh, the vigorous debate. I mean, we're always, I mean, I hear whining sometimes on both sides of the aisle lamenting, oh, my God, we don't have a vigorous democracy. We don't have people participating. We don't have candidates. We don't have people voting. We don't have all the legal votes being counted. And yet we see this incredible, vigorous uh, primary in Ohio. And uh, Mr. Vance has come out on top. I think he will win. I think he'll beat Tim Ryan, who I served with in the House. Uh, Tim Ryan's a classic uh, uh, out-of-touch Democrat for Ohio. Ohio is a solidly Republican state. Donald Trump won it handily in 2020. So I think this is a step forward in holding that Republican seat. And the question is, can we do that where we've got a swing seat because we really – in addition to fighting to win the House back this fall, Dave, you and I both know we can actually check uh, the Biden agenda and even perhaps reverse it in some instances if we can win the Senate back. And while it would be a narrow victory, we can we can sure uh, work and fight, raise the money and argue that we do that. And so last night was a great night and a step towards that. All right. Well, let's talk further about that when we come back. I got to get a break in. And uh, this whole thing that has come up about abortion and Alito and all that, what kind of effect do you think it will have on turnout? We'll talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest is uh, District 2 Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. We got more to talk to him about. I want to remind P.I. Roofing uh, to you. Uh, with all the hail that we had in the last few weeks up in the Cabot area, there have been uh, roofing companies from out of state going door to door asking if uh, you would let them get up on your roof and see if you have any damage. Uh, I will highly recommend that uh, you check your roof out, but I would also highly recommend that you do it with somebody that has been a uh, a business that's been here in Arkansas for years. And, of course, PI Roofing's been here for 20-plus years. Have them come out, take a look. If they find something that's wrong, uh, they'll help you work with your insurance company to get it fixed, and uh, they'll make it as cost-effective for you as they possibly can. So Joel Johnson and uh, Veronica Johnson, the co-owners of of course, PI Roofing, look forward to hearing from you. Call them, 501-707-3551, or visit them online at piroofing.com. Back with you to Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest, District Congressman French Hill, joining us this Wednesday. Been kind of on and off the last few weeks because we've had different guests that 
have said that they only can be on on certain times and we've moved people around today uh, we will not hear from congressman bruce westerman he's on a trip out west and we'll talk to him about that uh, evidently um, mccarthy taking some folks out to look at the big sequoias out there and uh, the danger to them so uh, we'll talk to uh, the congressman about that next week but l- let's talk one more more few moments about what happened with this leak uh, congressman how do you think this plays out not just in the primaries i don't think they're they're going to have a, a a hills you know being chance of changing anything as far as primaries but what about the general in november it'll have time to percolate a little bit during that time do you think it'll have any kind of uh you know advantageous effect for the left or uh is the right solidly ready to take some of those senate seats back you know i've I've thought about that dave and i view this as one of those issues around which uh most americans have uh made up their mind i agree that it's certainly when you have a topic like this come to the forefront and the incredible publicity associated with the final decision by the court you have a a lot of engagement across the country but when you think about it from a voter turnout point of view is this really going to be the issue that somehow galvanizes uh, independent voters and has them go vote uh democratic for this issue versus how their families are suffering from spiking murder rates, crime, unsafe neighborhoods, inflation at a 40-year high, and just the systematic incompetence of the Biden administration and agenda. So my gut tells me no, and that's the number one reason no. But the secondary reason is, as I pointed out earlier, this is a an issue that's well-known and well-debated out there. This is not like a surprise um, if, in fact, the court were to rule that uh, Roe was incorrectly decided 50 years ago. Yeah, I mean, that's where Alito starts in uh, this piece that he wrote, that it was an egregious move by the Supreme Court in the first place and should never have happened, and even uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed with that. Right, exactly. And so I know that's been the talk is somehow that this is the issue, the galvanizing issue and turnout, particularly for the left, that somehow that's going to lead to uh, defeat. Um, Where it could come into play from a political uh, point of view or in uh, really tight margin swing districts uh, where the uh, left-leaning, abortion-supporting Democratic uh, candidate has a good Republican opponent. Biden won the district. You know, this could produce a little more action there in that particular case. But I don't think it's going to affect the momentum of us uh, taking back the House. And as you point out, I think it, it continues. Our What we're arguing is that we should take back the Senate, too. Well, I, I definitely think the Senate is in play. I don't yep, have any yep. doubt, especially in Georgia. You know, yep. that that definitely is in play. So I think it might not be as a thin of a win as I'm, I'm kind of hearing from you. You think that it, 
you know, when it's all done, maybe we have, uh, you know, a few more votes than the Democrats. I think we're going to have a lot more votes. I kind of lean the way <laughs> Ted Cruz is viewing this. I, uh, with inflation and everything else that's going, I think the American people are going <laughs> to repudiate this president. Well, I do believe we're going to have a red wave in the in the House. I study those districts and those numbers uh, really intensely, as you can imagine. And I don't consider myself an expert on every nuance in every Senate uh, seat. I think it is going to be a red wave year, which absolutely gives a shot at, at taking the Senate back and having, you know, a, 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 a modest margin there. I don't I don't know how we get an enormous margin in the Senate just based on who's running and what seats are up. But uh, if we take them both back, Dave, we have the ability to rein in that regulatory mess of Joe Biden's. It's already added $200 billion in costs out there in the economy just in his first uh, 15, 16 months on the regulatory side. We can make the Trump tax cuts permanent for our families and for our businesses. We can... Uh, do the best we can using budget reconciliation, for example, to defeat his uh, bad budget priorities, like on not supporting our agents on the southwest borders. What do you, what do you think uh, if we take the, the the House and let's say by a narrow margin the Senate? You think yep. Mayorkas? I mean, he was sitting in front of committee last week, and several different members said, "We're going to impeach you." If you don't change this stuff, and I don't foresee him changing anything, I only expect to see it get worse. What do you think the chances of impeachment are? I think if we have both houses, they go up because we'd have the ability to have a political consensus that he's done a bad job, he's ineffective, and that he should resign or he could potentially be removed from office and we could hold those hearings. And we'd have the power of having the Senate there to uh, give the clout since they control the executive, what's called the executive calendar. That means they are the ones who do advice and consent on confirmation of the cabinet. It makes it a lot more uh, likely, in my view. Um, I signed the letter that uh, was drafted by, I think, 140 of us talking about his incompetence. And when he testified last week, Dave, he told both the Senate and the House the our southwest border is operationally secure. Lie. Operationally secure. We have operational control of our border. That was his testimony. So when I was standing on the border a uh, day before yesterday at Tijuana, I asked our agents, do we have operational control of the border? And they just smiled and looked yeah. at me uh, because you know what they can and can't say officially. I got you. When their when their boss has testified, but Congressman, I got to yep. jump in. I got to let you go. All right, Thanks, let's Dave. go. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick. Show we got about a half hour here. We can kind of talk, and then coming up at nine o'clock, when I'll join you for another hour, uh, as I do now, uh, we will have an interview with a gentleman uh, dealing with uh, the whole Roe v. Wade. Uh, situation and what happened with the court and the leak and all of that here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show as well. Going back to, to talk about that, Murkowski and Collins were caught up with yesterday in the halls of the Senate 
and were talked to about how they felt uh, when they heard that there was this uh, uh, draft out there that had been leaked by uh, from Alito's office, evidently. I'm not saying that's where the leak happened. I'm just saying that the uh, the draft was from his office, from him, and uh, what he had to say about it and about overturning overturning Roe v. Wade because it was bad law and it needed to be be fixed. I mean, even uh, you know Ginsburg admitted that as well. And Murkowski was the first one they caught up with, and they were talking to her. And she condemned the leak of the draft opinion before she commented that the decision itself, quote, rocks, unquote, uh, her confidence in the court. The uh, leak is absolutely reprehensible, she said. It needs to be condemned in the strongest possible terms. I really find it shocking that this would happen. I understand it is it's completely unprecedented. Second point is, Roe is still the law of the land. We don't know the direction that this decision will ultimately take, but it goes in the direction that this leaked copy has indicated. I will just tell you that it rocks my confidence in the court right now. Now, why would it rock her confidence that the justices uh, differ on what the Constitution says or doesn't say, or they won't play along with the game uh, that, uh, you know, when Roe v. Wade was made law, uh, it was under erroneous circumstances uh, that they that they did it and that it needs to be changed. If that's the case, as she looked back on the history of the court, would she have been rocked that the Dred Scott case, uh, which was handled back in 1868, uh, that said, you know, basically a black man was the property of his owner, uh, was overturned later in 1857. Would would her world have been rocked by that? I I think that you know, it's it's very interesting what rocks these people. Uh, in their belief in the in the court, I guess as long as they're ruling the way you want it to be ruled, then it doesn't rock you. And if they don't, if perhaps they see nuances in the the the, the law, it rocks your belief uh, in the court. She says, uh, "I I met with a lot of these people that were running for." Uh, uh, the Supreme Court after they were put up. I think there were some representations made with regards to precedent and settled law, she said. Comments were made to me and to others about Roe being settled and precedent. Uh, Collins issued a statement Tuesday uh, saying that the opinion, if it actually is the final ruling of the court in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization would be inconsistent with conversations she had with Justice Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh during the confirmation process. If this leaked draft, quoting her now, uh, opinion is the final decision and this reporting is accurate, it would be completely inconsistent with what Justice Gorsuch 
and Justice Kavanaugh said in their hearings and in our meeting in my office. Obviously, we won't know uh, each justice's decision and reasoning until the Supreme Court officially announces that opinion in this case, which is going to happen sometime in June, very early July. Asked by reporters whether in response to the leaked opinion, she felt misled by Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Collins evaded the question, saying that her statement speaks for itself, that according to the Hill. In addition, Collins communications director, Annie Clark, responded to questions about her stance on the Senate filibuster, telling Punchbowl News, Jake Sherman, that Senator Collins' position on the filibuster is unchanged. Murkowski also told reporters that she was open to considering legislation that would codify Roe into law, noting that she and Collins had introduced a similar bill in February. Quote, I thought it made sense then, and I think it makes perhaps more sense now, Murkowski said, but the Hill noted that both senators voted against the Women's Health Protection Act, which would have codified the decision. A draft opinion in the case of Dobbs versus Jansen's uh, Women's Health Organization was leaked to political Monday night. The uh, draft opinion, quote, is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and a subsequent 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that largely maintained that right. So uh, that's uh, what uh, some of the senators are saying and Republican senators at that. So uh, if it ever comes up that they got a vote on whether uh, to, you know, codify uh, don't look for them to to fall uh, with the Republicans if Republicans, uh, for the most part, are fighting against uh, codifying uh, those laws. I think that they're doing the right thing if they send it back to the states. It's what the Tenth Amendment uh, is all about. Now, Elizabeth Warren lost it yesterday. She really did. I mean, she was out walking through the the flowers around the Congress. She wasn't even watching when she was walking. Uh, she choked up as she addressed protesters gathered outside the Supreme Court, clearly struggling to keep her emotions in check as she railed against the leaked early opinion draft that would overturn landmark abortion decision Roe v. Wade. As a drum beat steadily in the background, Warren uh, complained, that the battle had already been going on, quote, for decades, adding, and we are going to fight back. Well, you've been fighting back. It's been happening. But thoughts uh, in the general public have been have been changing about uh, abortion. And a lot of that change is coming now that we can see inside the womb and you could see an unborn baby and what that unborn baby looks like and the beating heart and things of that nature. The crowd erupted in cheers, and Warren continued arguing that the people who would be impacted if Roe v. Wade was really overturned were those who could least afford the impact. Quote, I am angry because of who will pay the price for this. It will not be wealthy women. Wealthy women can get on an airplane. They can 
fly to another state. They can fly to another country. They can get the protection they need, she said, her voice breaking. This will fall on the poorest woman. This will fall on the young women who have been abused, who are victims of incest, by the way, which is very, very minor percentage of people that go out and get abortions. Uh, This will fall on those who have been raped. This will fall on mothers who are already struggling to work three jobs to be able to support the children that they have. Well, I'm here because I'm angry, Warren said, and I'm here because the United States Congress can change all of this. By the way, when you look at our abortion laws in our country versus other countries, we are one of the most liberal countries uh, in the world as far as it comes to abortion. A lot of people don't know that. They think we're one of the most restrictive, and that is not the case. Uh, We are definitely one of the more liberal uh, countries. In fact, more more liberal uh, than uh, China is about abortion and things of that nature of some of the African uh, uh, nations that are in the world. We're more liberal than they are. All right, we'll move on and uh, have more to talk about. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Dave Chappelle and what happened to him yesterday as we finish up this uh, edition of uh, the Fourth Be With You, Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Don't forget about ICU protection. I uh, Tomorrow I will have uh, ICU in my house for uh, a full week. I love it think that it's great uh you go in or out a door and uh you know it lets you know that somebody what door they went in and what door they went out of uh my cameras turn on and uh most of the people being shown are either me or linda or our car pulling into the garage i've got a camera on my garage got a camera on my uh, my doorbell i did see uh, the, the folks delivering a package for me uh, from uh, Amazon the other week, which is kind of good because I can look and if it's been see if it's been tampered with and I can tell if it was the person delivering it who did the tampering. So look at ICU for your uh, security and alarm system. They do the door and window sensors, indoor and outdoor cameras, the doorbell cameras, the motion detection Uh, They do the analytics that tells you if it's a person, an animal, or a car, and they do it for your business or they do it for your home. This is the same company that does uh, the uh, protection of Nuke One. You can have that kind of protection at your home or your business as well. All you have to do is talk to uh, Billy Mack. He's the owner of ICU uh, Protection. Call 501 205 1333 that's 501-205-1313 and know this that you'll pay for the service but you will not pay for the hardware that will belong to you at no cost icu protection all right we're back with you as we finish up this hour of the dave ellswick show i'll pause uh, to uh do or have an hour show on dealing with your finances so things going on with the market you should hear about and then i'll be back at uh, eight o'clock 
uh, to talk further with you. We'll have a special guest. We'll do a little bit more on Roe v. Wade, and I think then we'll be able to put that particular topic to bed uh, for the uh, the, the rest of the, the week and, and get on with some of the other things that uh, are going on. Uh, other big news that's going on, I don't know if I would call this big news, but it, it's news, and that was uh, comedian Dave Chappelle being attacked on stage while performing at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles last night. Uh, Dave Chappelle was attacked during his show after a man reportedly jumped on stage. The alleged attacker was injured in the attack and was carried away in an ambulance, according to reports. Videos of the incident appear to show the man jumping onto the stage at the Hollywood Bowl where Chappelle was performing his stand-up routine for his Netflix is a joke tour when he attempted to tackle the uh, comedian. He was swiftly taken away by security and other individuals who appeared to hit the man just off stage videos appear uh, to show. And uh, immediately following the attack, Chappelle remained on stage, thanks security, before joking about the incident and describing the individual who attacked him as a trans man. Uh, Chappelle makes several jokes about the trans community in his stand-up routine and even boasted during the Tuesday night performance that he has been recently forced to increase his security amid new threats. Another video appeared to show the attacker being carted away by Paramedics with a crowd of people booing and uh, cussing at him. Several police and emergency response vehicles could be seen at the venue in various videos as well. At least one individual who was armed with a gun and a knife was taken into custody following the attack, according uh, to police. The attack reportedly happened as Chappelle was ending his show. Uh, Chappelle had thanked actor Jamie Foxx and rapper Busta Rhymes for coming to his rescue, joking, whenever you're in trouble, Jamie Foxx will show up in a sheriff's hat. (laughs) Fellow comedian Chris Rock appeared on stage and said, was that Will Smith? The crowd roared at the reference to Rock's onstage attack from Smith at the Oscars earlier this year after the incident smith returned to his seat and was allowed to participate in the rest of the oscars even walking onto the stage later in the ceremony to receive an award days later smith announced his resignation from the academy and he was uh, subsequently banned from attending academy sponsored events for 10 years he went on to say my actions at the 94th Uh, Academy Awards presentation were shocking, painful, and inexcusable. After the ban was announced, Smith released another statement saying, I accept and respect the Academy's decision. Chappelle will continue his tour later this month, and he'll be out on the uh, East Coast. It's, It's kind of interesting to me that any more you can't even tell a joke uh, and people don't get so upset that they don't want to attack you. 
I mean, what would have happened if Lenny Bruce had to face this or, you know, Richard Pryor or, uh, you know, even Chris Rock, even more so, not at the Academy, but doing his uh, comedy routines. I mean, comedy is supposed to take pokes at everybody. And it seems to me that everybody needs to lighten up a little bit and, uh, you know, take a joke for what it is. Could be that it's pointing out something that there's a lot of truth to. Could be that it's just making fun of people that the comedian doesn't like. I mean, uh, what's his name on HBO? You know, he attacks religion all the time. I don't think he needs to be censored. I don't think that uh, he needs to be told that he can't tell those particular jokes. I just don't pay my money to go see him. It's that simple. And I think that is the way we should all act as far as that's concerned. So uh, an opinion piece that was written by Lauren DeBellis is out on Fox News, and it's something that I think that you should read. Uh, Talking about uh, CRT, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton allowed several trees to be killed for her 1996 book, It Takes a Village, so she could lecture parents on how we are so ill-equipped to raise our own kids without an assist from the government. In the late P.J. O'Rourke's review of her book for the late uh, Weekly Standard, he put it this way, quote, it takes a village to raise a child. The village is Washington, unquote. Now you go to today and the radical left is thrown down the gauntlet as their crusade to come for your kids has grown louder and they're declared your children communal property. President Biden speaking to teachers at the White House last week for the Teacher of the Year ceremony announced, quote, they're all our children, and the reason you're the Teachers of the Year is because you recognize that they're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. Hmm, no, I wouldn't agree with that. They're still like our children in the classroom out of the classroom here there and everywhere still are kids we the parents are not interested in co-parenting with the state what should have been a mic drop moment from the president was just another wednesday in the white house with the radicals running the show all right i'll be back at nine see you then here on the dave ellswick show All 
right, 9 o'clock until 10, the Dave Ellswick Show continues. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this abortion uh, story that happened over the last few days about this leak that occurred about a uh, opinion that was being penned back in February by, the, by Alito that would overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, the uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court, uh, said uh, yesterday that that's not the the way the end of the this whole discussion and it could change uh, you know dramatically basically uh, by the time that it's released in uh, June or July. Alan Parker is going to join with us and we're going to talk to him about this and about what this means. But before we do that and talking with Alan, I want to go back to uh, Justice Ginsburg who said that this is basically exactly what the uh, the Supreme Court set us up for back in 73. She said that if the Supreme Court at that time had have worked a case where the states were involved in figuring this all out, uh, we wouldn't have these, quote, earth-shattering moments like that we're having uh, now that people are talking about that, Roe v. Wade is going away. Well, Roe v. Wade is is going away, but that doesn't mean abortion is going to be made illegal. Abortion will still be allowed in some states, will not be allowed in other states, the way it was in 1973. And uh, I think Alito has argued, as Ginsburg argued, that it was it was bad uh, bad moves by the Supreme Court. To uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater, so, so to speak, and though it took 50 years, we've gone back to you know we've got a Tenth Amendment and states have some say in what should happen in in law. So let's get Alan on here to to join us. Alan, thanks for giving us the time here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, and and let's talk about this. Uh, Ginsburg and Alito both were right in this situation, were they not? Well, for the moment, it is a good idea to return the matter to the states and let the, and as, as we know now, about 26 states want to ban abortion. Right. So abortion is a deeply controversial issue. And why do they want to do that? Because it is the taking of a human life and because abortion hurts women. I represent thousands of women who've been deeply injured by the psychological trauma of killing a human being and a deep wound when it's your own child that you kill. So the abortion industry lies to women and says, it's just a mass of tissue. Women come, in their own words, to feel like murderers for what they've done. So I believe in the future, abortion will be as heinous and unthinkable as slavery is, or segregation. Even both of those things were approved by the Supreme Court of the United States once, and then we've evolved as a society to say we're not doing that anymore. This is a evolutionary movement towards justice and humanity for the woman and the child in America. Yeah, that, and I think that's what, uh, although look, Ginsburg was firmly on the side side of the term used by the left, reproductive rights, and I, I have a lot of problems with that particular term, but Alito is the same way. I mean, they're just on different sides of this issue. And they said that what happened in 73 is what the Supreme Court did is they tried to eat the elephant all in one bite. 
Yes, and a good way to uh, reaffirm the point you're making, women got the right to vote by amending the Constitution through the political process. No one's talking about taking away the right to vote from women because it's in the Constitution, but they're amazingly, some of them are upset, not all women are for abortion, but some say, oh, they're about to take away our right. Well, it isn't a right. It's just an opinion of the Supreme Court, and they've overturned their opinions over 200 times in American history. So if it is to be a right, then it should be adopted by the people through either a constitutional amendment or vote at the state level. Though I think ultimately there is a right to life, even in the Constitution. This current opinion is saying there's no right to abortion in the Constitution. That's, That's right. The issue we're talking about today. Yeah, that that's different than different than saying you have a right to life. I mean, the uh, you know when you look at uh, the writings of this great nation, uh, the very first thing that was pointed out, not in the Constitution but in the Declaration, was life, liberty, and uh, the owning of property or pursuit of happiness. And those those three things are tantamount to the three pillars that this country was uh, was built on. That, that's exactly right. And any just and humane society is judged usually by how it protects the most vulnerable members. And the Supreme Court has said that this is an infant life in the womb. Uh, they admitted that in 2007 in a case called Gonzalez v. Carhartt, where the court said some women come to regret aborting the infant life they once created and sustained. Severe depression and loss of esteem can follow. So the court has known since 2007 that it's an infant life and it hurts women. And today, the Alito decision is saying, there's, well, they mentioned the safe haven laws, and I, I want everyone in your audience to know what will happen when Roe is reversed. No woman has to parent a child if she doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. She can use the safe haven law in all 50 states and safely surrender the child at a hospital or fire station within a designated period of time. And the state will take care of the child until they transfer it to the one to two million women every year waiting to adopt newborn children. So we don't have to kill the child. We don't have to hurt the women emotionally and psychologically. The court has also said it causes devastating psychological consequences to women. So we don't have to kill the child. We don't have to hurt the woman. We can receive the child as the state and then transfer the child to the one to two million families waiting every year on a rolling cohort basis to adopt newborn children. Yeah, and, and, I, and a lot of this could have been avoided again uh, in 73 if the Supreme Court had not overreached, and that's what the left always does. They always overreach. So let's go back and let's talk about four different things that uh, I find interesting in this whole discussion. First of all, uh, everybody has to understand that overturning uh, Roe v. Wade and Casey uh, is not going to stop abortion all across the United States. That's a huge lie being perpetrated by the left. That is exactly right. There are many states that have already uh, 
said there's a state legal right under their laws, and some states even have state constitutions where the judges have created a right to abortion out of whole cloth in the state constitutions, just like the U.S. Supreme Court created the supposed right uh, to abortion out of the United States Constitution. So judges can be uh, out of control even at the state court level. But there are other states where abortion will be banned. There's about 12 or 13 states where abortion will be illegal immediately. Those states have called order trigger laws that say when Roe is reversed, uh, abortion will be illegal to one degree or the other. But again, even in those states, I just mentioned, no woman in those states will have to parent the child if they do not want to. That's correct. I mean, we look at uh, Arkansas and surrounding us, Missouri, uh, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, and Oklahoma. Those are all our neighbors. And uh, Arkansas as well. We all have trigger laws saying that if in June or July, whichever month it might be, the uh, Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade Casey, then what we're looking at is uh, abortion virtually being completely illegal in any of those states. That's a solid core of red that sits here uh, in the United States right now. And we've made the necessary moves uh, with our state legislators to do that. Now, other states have decided not to do that. And when you've got, as we like to always say, 50 different uh, laboratories of, uh, you know, what are you going to do with the Constitution and how, how the Tenth Amendment refers to, uh, refers to the states, you got 50 different opinions, correct? That's absolutely right. And we can test it in reality and say which ones work better in the long run. Mm-hmm. And then others can adopt the good results instead of having bad results imposed on everybody across the country. Our guest is uh, Alan Parker. we got to get our first break in with Alan. Let's do that when we come back. My next three questions are all interwoven. They all relate to each other. So we'll be uh, talking to Alan about, uh, uh, you know, was the leaker trying to change the view of the court? Uh, what does uh, does he think uh, this means for November? And then uh, what changes can we expect here in 2024? These are all questions we'll talk to him about as we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. The uh, answer, Alan Parker, is our special guest. Okay, so let me give you a little information about Mr. Parker. I've been remiss in doing that. He's the head of the uh, Justice Foundation. He is the president. And uh, some interesting facts about him. Mr. Parker represented Norma McCovey, formerly the Roe of Roe v. Wade, and Sandra Cano, the Doe of Doe versus Bolton, in their efforts to overturn those two landmark cases that brought legalized abortion on demand to America. He's taught at St. Mary's University School of Law. He's been a visiting professor at the University of Texas. He studied international human rights at the International Human Rights Institute in Strasbourg, France. 
He taught international human rights at the St. Mary's Institute on World Legal Problems in Innsbruck, Austria, back in the mid-90s. I didn't want you to think I just went out and picked up Alan Parker on the street corner and put him on my show. The man knows what he's talking about, and his opinion should be highly uh, valued here in our discussion today. So let's get back to the discussion. What do you think the leaker was trying to do in this instance, uh, Mr. Parker? I think the uh, leaker was trying to unleash hell in a sense, unleash the dogs of war, you might say. And I actually am concerned for the safety of the five judges who might reverse Roe v. Wade. Uh, If your listeners are praying, people, we might ought to be praying for their protection. There are crazies out there in the world right now, and uh, the left is good at inciting people to do crazy things, like like the sniper, you know, less people think I'm hyperactive. Uh, remember the sniper that shot Republicans playing baseball, uh, who was a Bernie Sanders supporter. So Mm -hmm. if we lose any one of the five judges, it would be a a 4-4 split. And the lower court uh, said struck down the Mississippi law, so we would lose the case. So, you know, I I believe in prayer, but I, you know, not everybody does, but it's time to be praying for those justices. and anyway, I think the, the in another sense, they wanted uh, to unleash uh, and intimidate the conservative judges into changing their mind. Until the decision is released publicly, any judge can change their mind. And back in 1992, 30 years ago, when was the last time the Supreme Court considering Roe v. Wade being reversed, Five judges voted preliminarily to reverse Roe v. Wade, including Justice Kennedy. But in the months that followed, there was an intimidation by the left. And uh, in April of 1992, 600,000 angry women came and marched in front of the court. And um, there's anecdotal evidence that Kennedy saw them and changed his mind. So that's what I believe they're trying to do is intimidation. And that's not the way that any judiciary should function. We should all be united in saying, judges, do your best. Make your honest opinion. Follow the Constitution. Follow the history. What did the framers intend? And follow the law. That's what we want judges to do. Interesting that you brought back uh, in the 90s what happened, because you're right. Uh, There is a a lot of belief that Kennedy changed his opinion in that uh, particular case because of the march that took place on uh, in, in Washington, D.C. So what does this mean for, and I won't say 2022, because I think we're so close to November, it's going to take a lot to to make any changes uh, of, of what this particular uh, decision will mean uh, in the election. I think inflation and some other things are going to pay uh, big or play bigger issues here. But what about 2024? This will be a major issue in 2024, especially if uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned. Would you agree with that? Uh, in the traditional thinking, I would agree that's what people are thinking. But people overlook the safe haven law, and I hope I'm not just being a broken record, but this is the thing that's new. People 
won't have to. Uh, I think it's like a safety valve for civil unrest and everything. Um, I think that's one reason Amy Coney Barrett mentioned it in the oral argument twice. And uh-huh. This is the new thing. This is what people don't understand. Um, there'll be an intense reaction, but it's like in Texas for since September, we've now been. Uh, uh, blocking abortion if there's a heartbeat and the world has not fallen apart i think the left expects outrage and a big backlash and i think particularly when people find out hey nobody wants to kill children women don't do it for that reason the abortionists admit that people who are pro-choice want to help the woman and that's what they see they don't see the baby in the womb so and so once we kind of realize, oh, there's a safety valve for women. If a woman wants to go to college and she doesn't want to be a mother, she's in high school, I can't take care of a baby, I already have two children, well, let's work it out as a society where we help you. And that's what the safe haven law does. It says, don't kill your child, give us, the, we will help you as a society. So why get angry? Why, you know, and, and listen, if you're low income, every state already has a Medicaid law. We'll pay your medical bills if you get pregnant. We'll pay your delivery expenses if you're low income. This is the law in all 50 states. We don't have to pass new laws. We don't have to, it's there. The safe haven is in place. So I think there actually will be a safety valve that comes kind of out of the darkness right now. For example, the abortion industry doesn't want to tell women this exists. It's free, unlike abortion. If you're a woman listening to the score or somebody's thinking about it, it's 500 to to 1000 bucks to get an abortion. Wait. If you're low income, the state will pay your medical bills. That's, that's right already. And I think that will, it's not well known yet, but Amy Coney Barrett started highlighting it. More articles than New Yorkers written about it. Uh, you're having it on this program. People are probably hearing this for the first time. They don't know every state has this law. And I think more many women, if they do have the, if they keep the baby that long, they will keep the baby. But that's their choice. What's wrong with that? That's voluntary. They'll become very bonded. Yeah. But if they still can't do it, then they can release the child. And this is the other little known fact. This is government statistics can verify this. Ten percent of American women are infertile. Between the ages of 15 and 44, there are 6 million women, which is 10% of those women, who cannot have a child after a year of trying. That's the definition of infertility, the government definition. There can be different physical reasons or why. Sometimes it's the man's fault. His sperm is not good, but they're in a marriage where that's her husband. you know. So after about a year or two of trying, about 2 million women a year want to adopt a newborn baby. They say, I can take care of a baby. I want a baby. I want to love a baby. And and they can take care of a baby. So it's really a way, I believe, instead of it being angry, I think this will end the abortion wars in, say, a year or two or three or something like that. It's not going to happen overnight. But I see down the road, we'll help women. We'll say, yeah, okay, if you can't take care of that baby, first of all, we will get you resources. There are over 3,000 pregnancy resource centers that offer free services to the women. And uh, government social nets like the Medicaid program pay bills. So, one, we will try to help women more. If that doesn't work, if she doesn't want it, if she... A lot of women get very fearful in the early stages. By the time they have the baby, they have a job, 
let me say this. It's illegal to discriminate against a pregnant woman. Some of them think I'll lose my job if I get pregnant. Well, then contact your attorney general or lawyer. Sue that guy because it's illegal to discriminate against it. That didn't. All this wasn't in place in 1973. I agree. Mis- has, Mr. Parker, we've, we've run out of time. I'm sorry to break into you. Let's do this again. We'll do another half hour because I'd like to talk further about what you are talking about right now, as well as talk about the difference in uh, philosophical arguments. Okay, we continue on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. My thanks to uh, Mr. Alan Parker for joining us in the last half hour. I had to cut him off short there. I was up against the clock, and uh, he knew we were going to 30, so uh, he wasn't surprised that I jumped in and said, hey, we're out of time. So uh, we'll have him back on because I'd like to talk to him further uh, about the uh, changes in argument uh, concerning abortion. Back in 73, uh, the the argument was it should be rare and it should be safe. Uh, that's not the argument any longer. Uh, the argument now should be you can abort no matter when. Uh, no matter what time of the pregnancy and things of that nature. And in fact, the uh, uh, the argument has gone as far as infraticide, where you're talking about uh, aborting a born infant, if there's such a thing as saying abortion of a born um, infant. Uh, what I'd like to turn to now with this last half hour that we've got here on the Dave Ellswick Show for a Wednesday is talk about the number one issue that seems to be on voters' minds. About 72% of uh, possible voters, people who say they're going to the polls this year, the number one issue that they are concerned about are the inflation numbers. Uh, Brian Brenberg, uh, who is a president of business and economics, at the King's College, was on uh, Fox today, and he had some interesting things uh, to say. He warned that the 40-year high consumer prices that we're seeing right now is going to carry on, and it's likely to lead to a recession, and some of that has been parroted by uh, the folks that are at the very top Uh, talking about economics, uh, Powell and the rest of them, uh, saying that they thought uh, at the beginning that it was transitory. Now they say that that's not the case, that these prices are going to be around for for some time. Uh, Let's just look at what he said. Food prices are at a record high. Corn, soybeans, wheat, other key input products still at record highs. Fuel still hanging at a very high level. Those two things are going to drive inflation in our country. I don't see a big end in sight for that. His comments come on expectations of a 50 basis point interest rate hike by the Federal Reserve today in a move to combat soaring inflation. When that uh, money becomes easy to borrow, uh, and inflation raises its ugly head, uh, you go back to see the last time we had this, and Volcker was the head of, uh, of the government and uh, of, uh, of what the government was going to do, the Federal Reserve, 
and uh, they raised interest rates exorbitantly to tighten the money supply to uh, make it diff- more difficult to borrow and bring uh, it took about two years to bring uh, uh, inflation uh, to heal. The professor cautioned decreased consumer spending motivated by increased rates of bringing the economy, though, into a recession. We've already seen some of that uh, showing itself as uh, as well. That uh, is already beginning uh, to occur. So we're going to watch the Fed and see what the Fed does. The Fed is uh, is expected to make the first of uh, of several uh, double fisted uh, moves on uh, inflation. Uh, they're saying that they were on a ratchet up their fight to uh, tame what they're seeing now as red hot inflation, with the first double size rate hike in two decades, a uh, move that threatens to slow the U.S. economic growth and exacerbates financial pressure on you and I, the consumer. With inflation soaring to a new 40-year high in March, the Fed is under mounting pressure now to move more aggressively to cool demand and slow surging consumer prices. Central bank policymakers raised rates by a quarter percentage point in March, Many people said at that time that was not enough, that it needed to be higher. But they're now certain to approve a steeper half percentage point hike at the conclusion of their two-day meeting today. It would mark the fastest rate increase since 2000. And many traders believe the Fed will hike rates by another half point in June and possibly July. Now, that would be almost two full points over three months. That is very, very, very aggressive to see that uh, that happen. Quote, the, the Fed would shock markets if it failed to deliver a more aggressive policy via 50 basis point rate hike Wednesday, according to Dale DeMartino Booth, CEO and chief strategist at Quill Intelligence and a former advisor to a previous Dallas Fed president. She noted the focus will almost immediately shift to just how many half-point hikes the Fed expects to initiate over the balance of 2022. How fast do you want to bring this up? How tight do you want to make the money uh, process? How quickly do you want to move us into a, a recession, and how quickly can you get us out? On top of that, the Fed will likely begin shrinking its nearly nine trillion dollar balance sheet a move that's going to further tighten credit for u.s households minutes from the fed's march meeting suggest the central bank is going to begin unwinding at a maximum monthly pace of 60 billion dollars in treasuries and 35 billion dollars in mortgage bank securities by comparison the uh, Fed trimmed its balance sheet at a rate of only $50 billion a month from 2017 to 2019. Uh, so they didn't even reach the 60, uh, you know, the trillion dollar mark. They were only at the billion dollar mark. Many economists believe the Fed is acting too late now, though, to quail inflation with the Fed's benchmark rate 
sitting at a range of just 0.25% to 0.5%. Adjusted for inflation, the key interbank lending rate is actually negative. As a result, federal, uh, federal policymakers, including Chairman Jerome Powell, have telegraphed to markets in recent weeks that they will act expeditiously, confirming that several half-point rate hikes are likely on the table in coming months as they seek to neutralize rates at a level that neither boosts nor hurts the economy. That means they're looking to land this, this, uh, this rocket in the sweet spot, and that is very, very uh, difficult. We'll uh, talk about that more when we come back. Let's get the final break in the 9 o'clock edition of the Dave Ellswick Show, where we get into depth into news stories a little bit more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, the answer. All right, as we talk about inflation and getting it under control, it's really important that we do so, because if we don't, you know, your money becomes worth less and less, and it takes more of less and less to buy more, if that makes any sense to you. Uh, the cost of a car goes up, the cost of a loaf of bread goes up, and the amount of money that you have to buy it goes down. So the the Fed chairman, Powell, said uh, this, it is appropriate to be moving a little bit more quickly on trying to tighten up the money supply. Uh, he was during He was talking about this during a panel discussion at the International Monetary Fund and World Bank Spring Meetings. I also think that there's something in the idea of front-end loading whatever accommodation one thinks is appropriate so that uh, points in the direction of uh, 50 basis points being on the table. The question now is whether the Fed can successfully engineer the elusive sweet spot. And we talked about this, this, this landing spot. I mean, you could land and crash, all right, and really screw the pooch, so to speak, uh, with this. This sweet spot is between tamping down demand to cool inflation without sending the economy into a downturn. There are growing fears on Wall Street that central bank policymakers will fail to do that. Goldman Sachs, Banks of America, Deutsche Bank are among the firms forecasting a recession within the next two years. And last week, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the economy unexpectedly shrank in the first quarter of this year, marking the worst performance since the spring of 2020 when the U.S. economy was still deep in the throes of the COVID-induced recession. Uh, Martino Booth said that uh, the window for the Fed to engineer a soft landing has likely closed since the economy is already starting to deteriorate before the bulk of the Fed's inflation-fighting tightening actions are being uh, put into action. The last economic pillar standing is the job market, but we're already seeing a weakening in new job postings. Powell has pushed back against uh, concerns that further tightening uh, are, are, is, is going to have a major effect on, on that. Uh, as he uh, says, uh, you can look 
at this, and it looks like uh, we're not doing enough that's going to crash the economy. That's what he wants you to know. And uh, But it does need to be moved quickly. And uh, that to keep, we want to stay out of a recession. Though the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the economy shrank in the first quarter. Uh, first time it did that since 2020. The window for the Fed to engineer a soft landing has likely closed, they're saying. The last economic pillar standing is the job market. Powell has pushed back against concerns that further tightening by the central bank will trigger a recession and has maintained optimism that the Fed can strike a delicate balance between taming inflation without crushing the economy. Still, he acknowledges the difficulty of the task ahead and said it is absolutely essential for central bankers to restore price stability. Final part of this article, which is really, really important, is this. Our goal, that would be the Fed, is to use our tools to get demand and supply back in sync. It's way out of sync right now. So inflation moves back into place without a slowdown that amounts to a recession, Powell said. I don't think you'll hear anyone at the Fed say that's straightforward and easy. It's going to be very uh, challenging. And now when you start hearing the government talk about, you know, we got we to gotta thread the eye of the needle. We're in some deep, deep doo-doo. Just saying, if, if they miss it either way, you go into a deep recession or you, you shoot inflation up even higher, it will not. You, you, you'll have more than Carter's malaise from uh, the 70s. You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that is going to, you know, be caused. A lot of problems that are going to be caused uh, by uh, all this. So it's something to keep your eye on and something to be aware of. And it's a good reason why, uh, as we look at uh, the election that's coming up, that the number one issue that people are talking about is inflation and the uh, economy. They're talking about all of it, and it's it's going to be it's going to be crazy to say the least as they they try to they try to deal with this. It's going to be hard to deal with this. I know a lot of people think they can do it. I don't know if I'm willing to say that uh, is the case or not all right elon musk a lot the last thing for you we're down to the last uh, minutes here he says that some twitter users might have to pay to use the platform he's uh you know it might be that he's trying to get some of his money back but musk on uh, tuesday night dropped a hint on what will soon be a social media platform that businesses and government agencies might have to pay to use twitter Twitter will always be free for casual users, but maybe a single cost for commercial government users um, must tweet it. The uh, billionaire CEO of Tesla and SpaceX added a cryptic tweet about uh, Freemasons. Ultimately, the, the downfall of the Freemasons was giving away their stone-cutting services uh, for nothing. Currently, no social media platform charges for users to use their site. 
After Musk's purchase of the site, some conservatives saw a jump in the number of followers they have on Twitter, even as some liberals bemoaned the loss of fans. Donald Trump Jr. led the way in questioning the giant spike, which saw him gain 87,000-plus new followers by Tuesday and another $119,000 in change by early Wednesday after weeks of averaging only a few thousand every day. Quote, while I'm awesome uh, and totally deserving of 87,000 new followers a day, it seems that someone took the shackles off my account, former Donald Trump's son wrote. Wonder if they're burning the evidence before new management comes in, he asked. Meanwhile, Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis a front-runner for the GOP presidential nomination in 24, saw his followers jump by more than 200,000 over the past few days. That, according to the New York Post, Fox Nation host Tucker Carlson picked up nearly 150,000 as Congressman Matt Getz soared by more than 60,000 followers, prompting him to say, quote, it really is something how conservative accounts are getting massive follower increases today. Conservative talk show host Dana Loesch offered a theory. It's too soon for Musk to have done this, but I'm wondering if something was changed by those seeking to minimize their fingerprint ahead of potential transparency, she wrote on Twitter. So something to to consider there. I mean, now that Trump or Musk is saying, hey, we we're going to open up. We're going to have more transparency. Maybe the people that um, are afraid that uh, they don't want the real story to get out are, as uh, they said, you know, burning paperwork now to keep that from ever being seen. It, it is rather interesting, like in DeSantis's, uh post, that he's gained in just uh, a few days 200,000 new followers. Uh, I mean, all the the throwing of, you know, shadowing of of uh, Twitter users and everything that's been going on. There's no telling what's going on as far as this. I've just come back on Twitter in the last uh, few days, and I don't know what it's showing on, on my account. I mean, I probably gained 10 people. I don't know. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, it sure isn't no 200,000, I'll tell you that, or even... Uh, 150,000 like Tucker Carlson. But, of course, I'm not on a a national news show uh, every weekday night uh, at 8 o'clock in the evening uh, like Tucker is either. All right, we're out of time. we got to get ready now to get out of here, and then tomorrow we'll have more for you starting at 6 a.m. on the Dave Ellswick Show. Kristen uh, McKinnon is going to be on with me tomorrow. Uh, first time that she's going to do a kind of in-depth interview now that she's left uh, her position on the election board. And we'll hear a lot perhaps tomorrow that was not said when the elections were going on uh, uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, there was some cheating that went on uh, in Pulaski County. Uh, we'll We'll hear from her and she'll tell us what, she experienced during that time so be ready for that uh joe will be on from uh joe's garage duck won't be duck had his knee surgery yesterday and i'm hearing that it went successful so it'll be a few weeks before 
Yeah, he's up and about and moving around well uh, and joins us back here in studio. And then in the last hour, Gina's going to be on from uh, Little Rock Tours. We're going to talk about that new uh, Patriot Tour that's coming up in uh, the end of July. We want to uh, impress upon you that you need to get involved with that. You know, go on the site, go on littlerocktours.com and and make your reservations where we're going to go to Philadelphia. We're going to go up to Amish territory in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. And we're going to go to Sight and Sound up in Pennsylvania. And you'll get to see the show that's going to be in Branson come next year. And that's David. Jesus will still play in Branson over the next few uh, weeks of this year. And then uh, we'll be getting ready to see uh david moved down here from uh, pennsylvania but you'll have the chance of seeing it before everybody by seeing it in uh, uh the uh, facility the original facility for sight and sound up in pennsylvania so with that said let me say uh you need to have a great day today it's beautiful outside right now uh, enjoy it while you can because it won't be so beautiful tomorrow they're calling on some severe thunderstorms moving through our area by tomorrow night they'll be moving out and the weekend is looking pretty awesome for us for friday saturday and sunday in fact next week when i looked at the temperature it looks like we're going to be in the upper 80s and low 90s so that's my kind of weather all right so with that all said you have a great day hope you enjoyed the show today i'll be with you again at 6 a.m tomorrow morning here on 101.1 fm the answer General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.